invite your Sunday evening party with hires. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday from the makers of Hires, America's favorite root beer. This is Charlie Stark with an invitation to sit in on our regular Sunday get-together. So, whether you're spending a quiet Sunday evening at home or having your gang over, our gang is all here to add that final entertainment touch that Hires is famous for. Hey everybody, this is Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast, July 1st, 2018. Yeah! <laughs> hey, we're here at the podcast. Right, Thank whatever. you, Mark. <laughs> uh, Matt Mirage. Hello. Oh, hey. John Fidelli. Hey, now. Mark Dalzell. Hi. Mark O'Brien. Hey, everybody. Leslie Lizenby. Hello, my lovelies. Mike Rasso. My, hey, thank you very much. I'm here. <laughs> Mail's in. Hey, how about a letter? All right. Well, this letter is from Mike Harrison. It says, hello, my name is Mike Harrison, and I love your site store. I always dabbled in photography, but after moving and unpacking some old cameras that belonged to my great-grandfather, not his grandfather, great-grandfather, I started to get back into shooting it. I have been buying from you and appreciate the great selection, great service, and we appreciate your patronage, right? Oh, yes. 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 Definitely. Yes. Yes. As Mike would say. <laughs> the other day I was surfing around on eBay and found the attached image for sale, which is a picture of a speed graphics with two guys. No. The big picture's right there. Oh. Mark D. Where? Has it. The big picture. Oh. Mm. Well, Mark oh, there's more than two guys. Yet. No. There's like five guys. And six. One guy's, six. One guy's is in the lenses. Uh-huh. Hey, there's six okay. of them. Rick Mayall in the lens. Hey, is it really? Hey, there's six oh, of yeah, us. Like right. Hey. Anyways, hey. apparently it was some sort of promotional image done by Graflex. I just thought it was super cool and bought it to make T-shirts. And a T-shirt is on the way. Did you get it yet or no? Oh, he said that? That's what it says here. No, he didn't say that. I said that. Oh. He wrote it. He, he's not sending a T-shirt, though. It says... A T-shirt is on the way. Mm. This is I post, can't wait to wear. Five model with the laser guidance system on the top. Oh, that's the now one. Now I'm an expert. Please continue. Oh wait, maybe he ordered it and it's on the way to him. That's I, right. I don't know oh. because the end is cut off. So uh, I can't wait to wear. I noticed that you didn't have a lot of apparel on the store and thought you might want to use the image on some T-shirts. Right. Well, well, I just thought it was a neat image, uh, and then something, and then making money off it. Just thought that others, like myself, think it is, would be a worthy purchase. I'm going to take a photograph of each of us, and I'm going to superimpose it, cut and paste as badly as they did <laughs> our faces on everyone's face. There, I want to be the guy with the bow tie. No, you're not. No, we could do our act. No. You got the hat. Oh, the, guy the, 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 Here, the, the guy in the bow tie is in the lens. Do you want to do it like that? Or do you want to do it with the bodies? Oh, no, no. Keep the bodies. Yeah. Just put our faces in. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> uh, I get to keep the bow tie. I just need a shot of John. You looking down like that guy. Reading the paper, reading the paper. Yeah, so before you leave, before you leave, times. <laughs> quickly get that shot of you. Okay. Well, thanks, Michael. Would you guys wear this on your shirt? On your body? If it's us on there? Yeah. No. Yeah, if it was us on there, I'd totally wear it. No. No. Dane would. Yeah. You wouldn't wear that on a T-shirt. I don't wear clothes that have any writing on them or pictures. Mm. On principle? Ever. Okay. Well, thank you, Michael Harrison. Scared me for a second. Very nice. Stripe annoys me. (laughs) I'll take those those two letters. Mm -hmm. So first up. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, John, you're going to be leaving in mid-show. We want right. to talk about it. You have a story to tell us? Uh, nothing right off okay. the top of my head. What have you been shooting with? I've been shooting with the F3. And oh! Loving it. Loving it. Isn't it great? It's fantastic. I you know what? Ah. I, I, when I walk past my camera shelf, I look at the X700 and go, eh. Yep. <laughs> Is Chuck this the F3 Chuck HP or just a regular yeah, F3? Yeah, HP. Oh, the it's, viewfinder it's is fantastic. Sweet. I shot. I never shot so much film on vacation. You felt that good with that camera? I was just ripping them off. I'm like, love this. The shutter. It's it got such a so nice, nice. Like, shutter button on it. Yeah, it just oh, feels good. So I use beautiful. it all the time. And what type of lens do you have on it? Uh, it's a 1.450. No, it's not a 50, is it? 50 millimeter? Yeah, 50. It's 50. the old... The old a 51.4. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's great. So I oh, lost another one to Nikon. Yep. Yeah, we got, of course. Mark O'Brien, Nikon man. You me double. Mark Dalzan. Go with I have the an best, F3 man. You're not shooting Nikon, Leslie, are you? I have a F3. But you're not I, shooting I, with I, it. A lot of times. Oh. Yeah, but do you, do you love it? it? I, I like anything but Canon. And I you didn't a, lose me. Anything I got but Canon. an FM2 that I bought new in the 50s. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're not shooting Nikon, are you? Well, I mean, I, I've done you quite have. a few great shoots with, with some Nikon. He's got I've, a Nikon 8x10. I have nothing against Nikon. <laughs> My favorite 8x10 lens is a Nikon. Really? There you go. I have that. Wow. The FPP didn't even mention the name Nikon for like the first six years. Mm. We're getting letters saying, uh, what's with you guys? Oh, speaking of six years, this morning, you know how Facebook says, oh, yes. your Facebook oh, memories? Right. Yeah. My Facebook memory from 2012 yes. was me posting on Facebook saying, hey, it's my first FPP episode. No way. Yeah. Six yeah. years ago today. Wow. No kidding. Wow. It must have been the April 15th ep- or April whatever, yeah, 15th episode. It was six years July. ago today. Wow. Yeah, all came to play. So this is your six-year anniversary. Yeah, today is my actual... You, you, know what's, you know what's bizarre? It seems like, uh, like Matt, you've been on the show forever, mm-hmm. and you've been, you're like your new guy, Mark Dalzell, yeah. but he only came on like a year after you. Yeah. That's very Crazy. strange. Time flies. It has to do with us. Time, space, continuum. Because yes. oh, we're cryogenically always. frozen down here. It has to do with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Still very cold. Very, very well preserved. Very slow process. <laughs> Yeah, it's 80 out, but, you know, right. what, what is the current temperature? Is there a gauge? 58. 57. Oh, 58. No, 60. Oh, it's getting hot. It's warm in here. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to get an We're air conditioning melt. unit. <laughs> it's 84. Degrees. Fairlawn, New Jersey, 84 degrees right now. It's, a, it's only 60 in the I just went out to the car, and my chocolate bar was melted. <laughs> I put it in the fridge. <laughs> oh. So, John, you're, yeah. you're over on the Nikon side. Uh, for now, yeah. And how was it when you were shooting Canon EOS? Hated it. Yes. <laughs> the first roll I shot effed me, and I was really pissed because the shutter was misaligned, and I kept on getting like half frame uh, yeah. or none. And I was on the boardwalk, and my kids had face paint on, and it was a great night. I was shooting with all the lights and the Ferris wheel, and it effed me. Go ahead. But what do you think of the Pagal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you trying to upset me? I just wrote to them last night. You did. Oh. Yeah. You did. I sent a... Uh, As a flashback, John and I yeah. both invested in the... Um, yes, thank you. Please the Kickstarter. Sure, the Kickstarter Pagal. for the Lomo Instant Square Camera. We both got red ones, which has that lovely name of... Pagal. Yes. And uh, I got effed. His is a uh, his is a dog. Cow. It's a it's effed. It does not work so well. I get effed a lot with cameras. You so, I mean, even in instant photography, it couldn't be simpler to just push a button. Right. And I just effed. just couldn't believe how wonderful mine was. And John's over there just taking Cursing a gosh darn another knife to the heart. Did yeah. you go to Kickstarter and contact? Yeah, I went on the page. Okay. Right 
Because when you go to the Lomo page from the Kickstarter page, it brings you to their German homepage. Mm. So I'm like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, anyway, we'll report on a future podcast. But, so uh, Nikon F3. F3. And one lens you have? 50. Yep. 1.4. 50. 1. 50. Go wrong. And flash you use? No flash. You like high speed film. He can't use flash. Oh, well, you can use a flash. You just have to use the one. You're not a flash guy. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Wow. And you're going to be shooting with it the rest of the summer. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be my go-to camera this year. There's no chance turning him back to Canon. No. But you know, one of my absolute favorite Canons is the uh, EOS A2E. Yes, it is. Mm. I plunked down 75 yeah. hard cents for that camera. You did not. I did, wow. and I love it. 75 cold hard cents. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the mood I'm in. Yeah. If it's streety well, things, I'd probably grab I'm that camera. I'm a can. slow mover, I'm a sloth. So well, I kind of just move very slowly with stuff, and then when I'm done with it, it'll be on to the next thing. So I very well you may, may get be to, that to that eventually. Is there a program? It took mode? you 30 years to get over the X700. Uh, there's an A mode, <laughs> aperture priority. That's it. The manual. Oh, yeah. Aperture pri- You use aperture priority. Yes. Yeah. Very. I'm very happy for you, John. Yes. Thank you. Mike. I am. Your happiness means a lot to me. Good. Good. And I, <laughs> I keep John in tons of high-speed film. That's right. Uh, for here from the FPP I gotta online get store. Mo. I got to get some Mo. Uh, I can't get it today, though. You need some Mo film? Yeah. I need some 120 film. I'm all out. What are you shooting 120 in? With the Mamiya 645. Oh. And the... Uh, oh, you go shopping over there. And the uh, Yashica. Yashica <laughs> Flex. Oh, Yashica Flex. The mat. Yes. Are you still Shika using mat? the FPP debonera? That's not, not so uh, much. I haven't used it in a while. I use, that's my beach camera. I'll bring it to the beach this year. Okay. Any of your children's uh, I got you a beach camera. Express any interest in photography? Film My photography? daughter. She I give her the uh the Leica um the mini Leica. Mini oh. Leica. And she loves the digital camera. Okay. Cuz she okay. was taking pictures on her iPad and I'm like, use this." Right. Right, right. So, and I also let her shoot the uh when I was on vacation, she liked shooting the the Nikon F3 as well. I showed her how to use it. We were waiting for dinner and there was bowling going on. I'm like, "Here, you know, metered it. It was How great. Old I had is like, she? she's eight. Awesome. She's focusing it, and mm. so I'll find out when I get the, the film back how she did. Who here at the table wanted to talk about Ferrania film? Here? I did. Oh, that's a good topic because John's been shooting Ferrania. Well, I bought five rolls. I only shot one so far. Okay. Uh, Mark Dalzell's been shooting film Ferrania. I just developed it yesterday. Leslie, yeah. you are you? I have not. Matt. I tested some test and I shot a couple more. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about Film Front. Yeah. Okay, they, go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about <laughs> go. Back film when they, really good not too long ago, they offered uh, nice. people who were Great. had contributed their Kickstarter opportunity to buy in, rolls of the P30 for five bucks a roll. And I go, mm-hmm. that's a good deal. So I bought five rolls. It arrived pretty quickly after I ordered it. Um, I'm pre- I was pretty excited because I'd, I'd seen the stuff that Matt had shown us when he was testing it. I really liked the blacks, or I should say, the the darker how the darker tones are rendered in in that with that film. So, I shot my first roll in Toronto back in January. Um, Minolta, um, let's see, what did I shoot it with? XGM. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and, uh, and I, the shots that the the negatives I, uh, that I got back from that were just I thought were wonderful. Um, they were it was a kind of an overcast day, and it had they were, they were um, local 
sculptures and stuff that I was shooting, and they were dark, and they had a lot of detail in them, and it really all the shadow detail was fantastic. So I like it. It's what they you know they call it a silver rich film, and it really shows. Um, so I've been shooting a few more rolls of it over, over time, and uh, oh my gosh, John's got a weird camera in his hand. Oh. But uh, it looks like a, it looks like a, a weathermatic something. What's that called? That is a freaking man. That's, that's the CNC. Great. CNC. CNC. Is it on the list? Uh, I might have slipped it in. S E A and S E A. Yeah, S E A and S Y N A R. Look at this flash it has. Yeah, nice underwater. What does it have, John? A flash. Okay, thank you. It looks like a Fisher Price camera. Yeah, the Sony. That's awesome. Oh my God. Your extra lenses, when you're not using the lens, get out of here. That is so cool. When you're underwater. Oh my God. I love it. Not to hijack Mark O'Brien's Ferrani talk, but where did you get that? Oh my God. Oh, it's perfect. Where did you get that? Somebody gave it to me. Oh, yeah. You have a can. I have a friend. You like this. The AW1 is underwater. Canon AW1. I got one of those. With the with the the uh, wow, that's really doesn't have mass at the top of the frames. No, I didn't have that. Mike's does. I don't remember. Like four, four or six, I guess. Four yeah, yeah it's all double A's. The camera really takes double A's. So anyway, the P30, I really like it. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. It's cute. Uh, a few months ago. Yeah, me too. I was going to say, are we still talking about Ferrani? Or yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. A few months ago, they posted another up update. It was not. It was not a happy update about problems with the government, problems with power, electricity. Mm-hmm. Matt, you, what, do you have really? any comments? You know, like I feel like we don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Serious film shooters. You're yeah, saying film you shooters. Like, show me. Just show me something wacky, like somebody messing around with like the master roll of like the plastic or something. Show me something that looks like they're making anything film. Like, I don't want to hear the drama. I, I unfollow people on Facebook that are just like, "What was me about things?" This one mm-hmm. felt kind of "What was me?" Yeah. I don't know. Well, they were blowing it out there for. They had it on sale. That's why. Yeah, I but it was it. a. The, it's it's done. Like you can't buy it now. Oh really? That it's was done, the right? There was waves of it coming in. I don't know if it's. Huh. Because oh, like I got an email thing. from them that was like, "Oh, you know, buy we're twenty percent off or whatever." It's definitely it was. like limited when they have it. Yeah, I, I really like the film, and, and it also lies very flat in the scanner. Yes, and that is so important. It isn't is. It, it is. How, how, why why do some films curl up and some lie flat? What's what's the thing? It was weeks ago show. Weeks ago, I wasn't yeah. here for that. Um, Is it a long explanation? Film in here. Yeah. A lot of times, the hotter you can make your film no, when it dries, oh. the less curl that you'll have. And then there's curl and cupping, two oh, different no. things. Oh yeah, is cupping why, is cupping no good? Cupping's bad. No, it's yeah. just as yeah. irritating. It messes, um, but it messes with your yes. scanning ability. Yeah, yeah. So Take that's flat and with some books. Uh, which is why a lot of times when you get back commercial negatives, yeah. they don't have any curl or cupping to them, they, because they go through a pretty decently high heat method. And where we usually just hang them to dry in the bathroom. Yeah. So and you have a, make some cup. Uh, John scans negatives that we get processed at the darkroom. Yes. Com. Are they cupped or or they they cup a lot? Some. And they're well. By the time I get them, they've been wound up for a long time, so I have to <laughs> straighten them out by hanging them. You do not get them back already cut. You get them back uncut. uncut. Yeah. That okay. in a plastic sleeve. Yes. So I should get so them the first cut. Thing, first thing you do, just back roll that sleeve. Yeah, back roll. Yeah. And leave it set for a couple of days. Yeah. You'll be fine. Should I get them cut when I have them set KTZ back? KTZ cuts. Is it, it's, it'll probably be flatter. 
Oh, you can put in a special request for like me. Like your like, head. Yeah. <laughs> On all sides. Right. <clears throat> High and tight. Can you, so, can you X him? Are we still talking about film Piranha? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> okay. Off and on. Uh, for folks listening who don't know what we're talking about, Film Ferrania, it was a Kickstarter for a color reversal film, color slide film. They ran into some difficulties. They were able to, uh, like, switch gears, put out a batch of something called P30, which is a... a black a and white. Black and white, what, what rich? Silver rich. Silver, Silver rich, beautiful black and white film. And some of the Kickstarter backers were allowed to switch to that. Mm-hmm. Or you could just wait. Yep. And we're still waiting. No brother. And there's some difficulties, and we're all, you know, even if we're not praying types, we're all praying. Yeah. <laughs> As I understood, too, that P30 film, it's, it's ISO 80. 80, yes. Which is pretty, not too bad. It used to be, it was what they were using for a movie film stock back in yes. the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's I believe neat. Matt was a tester of that, were you, you not? Were. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike, you know who I shot it with? Uh, Nikon FM2. Oh. <laughs> oh, and by the way, my shots on the Nikon came out better than the ones with the Manola. No, that's just oh. like <laughs> just like a worst nightmare. We go from a, like an all canon podcast uh, uh, to all of a sudden everything just turning on you. Next thing, next thing, I'm going to be shooting with Nikon. No, why not? Why not? Nikon F. Why wouldn't you? Because I love my Canon gear. Oh, but you know, you need to explore a little. Bit. I am. I got my Rico right here. Rico, 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 Rico. Okay. Those high that want cameras, they're getting Nikons. <laughs> All right, well, I got oh, well, enough talk about Nikon. Anyway, Mark, go. you got the Nikon in 2020 oh, there. Yeah, 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 I do. Where's I that reflex? Go. So you're out of here right now? I'm Audi. That's it. John's out of here. John, what do you have to say for our listeners? Uh, we probably won't see you for a while. Be there, be square. Thank you and good night. So we're probably not going to hear from you till the fall wow. roundup of all your summer photography. All right. All shot on Nikon. Right. Yes. You, be, you have any Super 8 film left? I have one roll left. Oh, you do? Yep. When are you going to shoot that this summer? You I really shot should. one at the beach already. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. See what kind of interest. We'll see where the summer takes me. Exactly. And are you shooting with any point shoots or anything like that? No. I have that. I have the Leica Mini, and I have a, a Stylus Epic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I usually bring that to, like, you know. Just put it in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. To the zoo. I'll bring it to the zoo. What smart gals they'll have? Chocolate. Yeah, melted chocolate. Oh, my God. Let me see. Oh. put it in the fridge and it hardened up a little bit. Try not to get, like, chocolate flecks oh, okay. yeah. on the ground. <laughs> thank you, John. All right. Well, thank you. Well, nice seeing you, John. Good to see everybody, Matt. Oh, let's get to I'll look for you in the post office wall. The kids and uh, Laura. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay, back. When we come back, we're going to talk about... We're talking about black and white. Why don't we do black and white reversal? Oh, hey, ew. Okay, uh, we'll be right back. John, you going to leave or what? I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> and now Kodak presents a holiday reminder from Betty White. This week we'll celebrate the 4th of July. A good day to make the wonderful world of color yours with color snapshots. And you can do it so easily with your own camera, the one you have right now, and Kodak Color Film. Coda Color Film comes in all the popular sizes, and believe me, next to the pickles, it's the most important part of the picnic. So when you're out for holiday fun, be sure to take along an extra roll or two of Coda Color Film so you can capture all the fun and color of your happy family day. With Coda Color Film, you can take color snapshots as easily as black and white. Just aim and snap, and you get beautiful, sparkling color prints. So no matter how you spend your day, 
Save the fun in color. It makes a world of difference. Be ready before the 4th with Coda Color Film in the familiar yellow box. Remember, you can depend on the name Kodak. Hey, we're back. No, we're not. Uh, occasionally we get letters. Matt has a letter uh, about something that we don't talk about that much. We did have a, an episode on DR5. Yes. It's called Black and White Reversal. Mm-hmm. Matt, take it away and, of course, tell us what it is. All right. Well, let's start with that letter. Okay, great. So, we got a letter from Duke Jones, flicker name Duke at Oakland. Hey, guys. Love the show. What show? Would one of your chemistry wizards mind talking me into or out of reversal processing black and white film? I've had fun with your Kodak 2468 and would love to expand my options. Oh. Adox makes a film specific to this purpose. Mm-hmm. Those far better than me process several regular black and white stocks this way as reversal. Should I go down this rabbit hole? There's a second letter, too. That's that's <laughs> our first letter right. from Duke yes. asking about reversal. Leslie was so so, so kind to filter hold, through hold another your, one. Hold your pants on there, Duke. We'll get to you. This one's from Rudy Jacma. In trying to improve my techniques, especially black and white, um, there's a new method of transforming a negative into a positive, like a black and white slide film. Looks very interesting, but what exactly is the advantage of this? With a negative, can I create a positive on my own in the darkroom? Looks to be a still very satisfying process. Well, let's break it down. Yeah. So, a black and white negative. What do we do to process that? We wash it. We develop. Stop. Fix. Wash it again. Done. Maybe some archival stuff in, betw- sure. in betwixt. Um, beyond that, a black and white reversal. Used to be you would only use a specialty film that could handle the process. But there are kits and uh, some DIY methods to do it yourself. This process, the reversal process in general, involves exposure, develop, stop, well, develop, wash, then you bleach away the density that has formed during development. After that, you wash, you clear out anything, any remaining bleach. You re-expose the film to expose the, the, um, the emulsion that was not excited by light, but what remains after the bleach. How do you do that? Usually using a strong like tungsten or, or flash light source to do it for take control. Take it out of the... Flip the lights on and then Whoa. hit it with a harder light source, which there's a its own rabbit hole right there, the re-exposure. Um, you put it back in the dark. You develop it again to now develop out what you've just re-exposed, usually with something very, very aggressive to develop it out. Then you stop, fix, wash like normal. So it's a develop, bleach, re-expose, then develop again. So it's, a, it's definitely a, a very involved process. Head spinning. Um, dr5.com. <laughs> um, <coughs> no, the Dave. Uh, after trying this myself, I have gone down the rabbit hole this year and have started doing a little bit of that. Um, I have mad respect for Dave over at Dr5, and I can see why he would have a backlog of of this stuff to do. Um, it's definitely not like the FPP super positive, which kind of yields its own through normal development. It's its own just kind of reversal process. There's a lot of Steps and these more steps, if you're not familiar with them, create more 
you know, variables, ways mm-hmm. to mess stuff up or introduce its own stuff. I guess to answer our questions as they are, to at least Duke's first question, should I should I do it? Well, or do you feel like you have a good handle on the black and white process already? If right. you if you don't, you don't want to add in more steps. Yes, Leslie. How hard is it to get that? Is it a different developer? Ah. And what does the bleach consist of? Household bleach? What is it? Oh, great question. So these chemicals are definitely more aggressive uh, on the develop and uh, bleaching side than stuff you normally would have for a kit. I would say if you want to dip your toe into it but not go you know, whole hog into reversal processing, you can buy pre-made kits. Roly okay. makes a very, very good black and white reversal kit, but it is not cheap. It's about... It's about 120 bucks, and they'll only do 10 rolls of film. So dr5.com. No. Um, that is a different developer, but you can, using standard developers, that's what I'm doing right now, I'm using a modified D76 to do my development, and then my redevelopment is done with Dectol. With yes, aha. Uh-huh. I know you're still talking about the process, but is this all really quote unquote hobbyist stuff? Like, hey, I want to see a, a positive, or is there an upside? Like, from like, if I do this process, I'm going to have a more crisp, or oh. like, is there any technical upside to making a positive, or is it really just for fun? I would say most of it should probably be considered for fun, unless you're doing your own eight mil, sixteen mil, thirty-five mil oh, yes. motion picture, oh. because now you could do black, like actual black and white reversal film, and you could project it, which that's pretty cool. Cool, look up. That would extremely be cool. cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. you guys want to see something cool? Yeah, yeah. I have another. Well, this is this is the start of the to be continued for future podcasts, but this is I've started this because I'm going down a deeper rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But I'll show you guys some cool stuff. One thing Matt mentioned on those kits is that they do about 10 rolls. And it might be advantageous to know what a roll is. A roll is 36 exposure, or one roll of 120, or four 4x5s, or one 8x10. So if you're doing different formats, you can kind of calculate that. So here, And now, back to you, Matt. So here's some 8x10 FP4 reversal process by yours truly. This is 8x10. This is Ilford FP4, uh, a film wow. that, that tends to re- lend itself toward reversal processing. Now, I would say this is not something to just, like, expect you're going to nail it the first try. Mm-hmm. I got really lucky. These are for sheets five and six of my first six attempts. Sheets. 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 Is this at Hocking Hills? No, this isn't. This is a, a local park uh, called uh, Indian Run Falls in Columbus. Cool. So for purpose, 8x10, you could put this in like a light box and have a display. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Yes! <laughs> Time to wake this show up. Um, That's where, like, like, wow, the process is amazing. The punch, yeah. So I have some dark, uh, some light boxes outside of um, the darkroom space. I have at 400, and I always like to clip up, like, prints and stuff. But now I'm just, like, projecting, you know, just showing these right on top. There's obviously a lot of work I have to do. Yes. This stuff does not look like DR5, nor, nor would mm-hmm. I expect it to right off the bat. Dave's got some secret sauce. Yeah, keeps his stuff pretty awesome. These didn't turn out bad, but I, you know, I, I have things I know I could do a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk. I want to break down 
where I got to the point where I got to, because I'm not going to like try and say it's a proprietary thing. I cheated. I just found a guy's blog post. The blog post I followed to get the results I received, and you guys are going to see them. I'm putting them up on Flickr. So my, uh, I'm going to have at least two of these posted on Flickr. But my first uh, six results were all scannable and workable images. These are the two that I could just project straight up, and they look just like I saw them and shot them. Yeah, yeah. The, the other ones were a little bit dark. You really need a very aggressive, strong developer. I've said aggressive like five times now. It's because you need a very, very strong alkali environment to do your first development. So the first development is the one that develops out the stuff that it would make for a negative, and then you bleach that away. If you don't overdevelop that out, oftentimes a lot of black and white films, or really any film, has a lot of extra emulsion in there to handle that extra range, usually gross overexposure. That's what gives you that latitude, that deeper layer of silver. If you don't overdevelop that so it can be bleached away, what you'll get is like this really bland, dark gray, hard-to-see-through positive. But my first six didn't come out too bad. The first four here are... Oh my. I was able to scan and still get some good stuff with. Yeah. Oh, here, I'll oh yeah. I'll brighten this up so you guys can see it. Thank you, Matt. So just more of that same place, Indian Run Falls. Um, but you can see when it gets contrasty, it gets super contrasty. Right. A lot of black and white reversal kits will give you incredibly contrasty results because of the, the two different um, developers they'll have for it. But the the ones that were straight up, they scanned beautifully, and they just have a great, great look to them, especially when they're backlit. Um, let's see. What should I start with? Oh, the post that I found mm-hmm. on it. So the gentleman's blog, and we'll post this in the show notes. Um, it was on a, a blog called Mr-Alvandi.com, and he has this very, very, very too long, would not read typically, uh, list of what you need to buy and mix yourself. to make. So he even gives you, if you want to mix your own Dectol or mix your own D76, he gives you the formula. Or he says, if you use this Dectol or D76, here's what you can add to it to make it stronger. So that's what I did. I have I always have D76. I always have Dectol. So for my first uh, developer, the Dectol, I had to add a ton. Um, it's called sodium carbonate monohydrate, which is just another, like, it's, it's going to make everything really slick, really alkali in there. And it's going to, I would say, almost double the strength of that D76. And I developed this. Mm. So normal time for this stuff for me is, like... It's usually like six minutes or so. I had to go for 10 minutes a little hotter than I would normally. Okay. So 10 minutes at 70 with extra extra sauce in there just to overdevelop. Then I bleached it out. Now, the bleach is not household bleach. This is, this is the really nasty stuff. And this is where if you're not into nasty chemistry, buy a kit that's pre-mixed. Because I had to purchase. I went on formulary and bought, bought some myself. You need super concentrated sulfuric acid and... Um, Oh. You can you can substitute that for potassium permanganate, but it's not quite as good. Um, and uh, you also need this is the really nasty stuff, not just sulfuric acid. You also need sodium dichromate, or this, sorry, potassium dichromate. This is like you know, melt your skin. Ninety-eight uh, percent sulfuric acid. It comes in a specialty mucus-lined bottle. They don't even sell that strength that formula. They sell forty. You accidentally flip the pan, get in your face. You Dang become it. Phantom of the Dark Room. Mm. No, easily. It, no, it's like, <laughs> like so. This is like ah, the. This is like, yeah. 
the really seriously bad stuff. You have to have certain stuff on hand if you get this acid anywhere near you, um, because putting water on it just dilutes it and it gets everywhere. Can't do like a caffeinol formula for this. You can't. The bleach that it needs <laughs> is very, very nasty stuff. So I would recommend purchasing a kit if you want to go deep on it. It's very possible. Mm. Um, this is advanced stuff. It, had I not had years, uh, like thousands of sheets, I can say thousands of sheets, that's really sad, of, no, of Ilford as experience, right. I would not have attempted this. How, how many uh, fails did you have in order to get these? Well, those, those six I showed you, those are my first six. Oh, okay. Very those are his fails. Yeah. Okay. The first, the four were my first, yeah, these are fails. There's way, way better things I could be doing. Um, and I already know what I need to do better. We'll get to that. Okay. okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, does anybody have any questions? I'm like, I'm, I'm like. No, no. This, this is all good okay. stuff. The cube all... will go up. It's all right. Okay. Um, the cube. <laughs> so why would you do this? Yeah. Why? Good question. If it's 35, um, if it's if it's motion picture, I can definitely see where projecting it can look really cool. Yeah. If you like making mounted slides, you take a Silver Ridge film like Ferrania. Holy shit! Like that's gonna most slower speed films will reverse very very well. Your Pan F's, your deltas. Um, any of your your T Maxes go pretty well. Ilford, your HP five, not such a good one for this type of process. But you did it. No, this is FP four, oh, okay. the one twenty five. This okay. one traditionally reverses pretty well, which is interesting because DR five, one of his favorite films to recommend is HP five. So mm. he's got some. He's he's done the work, so he knows and all the different ways to, to improve it. But then the second developer for all this crap, uh, so bleach is really nasty. There's different acids you can use, mm-hmm. different non-dichromates you can use, but this is like, this is a who's who of like nasty stuff you don't mm-hmm. want in the dark room. The start to finish process, I did two at a time, so I did three batches of two each to try and like see what did I do right, what did I do wrong. The first time around, you know, I did... I didn't follow the directions. Oh. I misread them. I didn't I didn't make my D76 strong enough, so I didn't overdevelop enough. So when I bleached it out, it wasn't enough bleach, so it ended up gray. The next time around, I didn't use enough temperature. It got a little too cold. And not too much colder, but it got down to about 66. The darkroom was pretty cold when I was doing that. F. So the next time around, extra strong developer, a little bit warmer. Ace. So yeah, you definitely need a lot of patience. Each round of reversal is probably going to take about 30 minutes. And then to re-expose, I used a little tungsten lamp, and like in the shop lamp. Yep. So just a little 100-watt bulb like you'd have in a gallery or a can light. I re-exposed those for about 60 seconds on each of those. Yes. You may have kind of just answered it. I may have jumped the gun here. You can expose too much and or too little. Yes. Well, okay. I mean, more, than, more too little than too much. Because if you – let's say – you're ex- so all, all of this also assumes that your exposure was spot on in camera, too, because yes. this is a slide that you can't overexpose or underexpose. Underexpose, you'd have darks. So it's also interesting. When you're re-exposing, if you, did it, if you nailed your exposure and you nailed your, over, your first developer and your bleaching, there's almost no such thing as over re-exposing because the only silver that's left is okay. the stuff that hasn't been bleached away. So you, you don't okay. have to like get your light meter out and see how much light you're going to be dumping on this and calculate, uh, I better cook this stuff for a minute or whatever. Usually, it's not that critical. It's pretty critical. It you is. can definitely underdo it, but you, okay. from what I've seen, you can't overdo it if okay. your exposure's right mm-hmm. and your other steps are right. So yes, it's, it's critical. Okay. Everything's critical. Temperature's more critical because there's mm-hmm. more steps. There's two developer steps. Um, 
exposure in camera is imperative because it's a slide. So if you don't nail this stuff, like exposure is just assumed. Like if you're if you're still fussing around with like getting the film to look good for you, like you probably don't want to start with reversal. Reversal is something you just like you want to challenge yourself with, or you have a specialty use for it. I think four fives or eight by tens as reversal are really cool like they're ready to go slides it, it looks sweet um do these folks who have the questions even know what dr5 is um i maybe not but yeah. i would say contact david dr5 he, his page has an awesome list of films that he recommends for reversal processing from the top down right including shmina's fn64 mm-hmm. and the egg scala if you can still find that's yeah. like that was the best still is the best for reversal t-maxes are good um so you know more to rudy's question what's the advantage it's kind of like a hard mode it's a challenge it's like a personal challenge to yourself can you do this um Mm -hmm. but the other advantage is if you're doing something where you're showing your work on a light box or anything it just has that wow factor like when you see a really good looking color slide you're like yeah this is sweet so that's what this looks like. Um, for me, this is just a building block. Mm-hmm. There's another process, another set of processes I want to apply to this to do some other cool stuff. We'll talk about that in some later shows. That's black and white reversal. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah. Does anyone here have questions about black and white reversal? I guess the other th- thing I was going to ask, what do people think about this in, in an exhibit? Because you aren't making a, an enlargement, obviously. Mm-hmm. For 8x10, it's got to be kind of a wow factor to it. It, it definitely has some wow factor. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say too much more, but this is my test size. Yeah. I'm 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 impressed. You can see where we're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's got a wow factor. Um from what I can tell it seems archival. I did all the archival wash and everything for it. Um I did notice my DR fives I had on display maybe a little too long and they did start to get a little little browning action because there was a, the a back out. a backlight on them and maybe oh. a little bit of UV hitting them. Oh. So maybe black and white reversal isn't as permanent as a well-preserved negative it's something interesting to see what mm-hmm. happens with time but i oh there's all other cool things you can do to these negatives these ones they have if you look through them they have a bit of a bluish tinge oh. um and because the the negatives were a little bit thinner than i thought they or the sorry the positives are a little thinner than i wanted them yes mm-hmm. so i i pumped them up with some selenium oh, oh you're, sure yeah another poison sure sure <laughs> I mean, you gotta wear gloves. That's why you've hired the doctor. <laughs> I think, uh, as nothing. you mentioned, now that you're showing the 8x10 positives, it's like a wow factor. You put it on a, a light box, you could display it. So it kind of really drives home a whole oh, 35 millimeter Y. Mounted slides, projecting. So if you still right. like projecting, yeah. it's, I could it's see cool. Mark D and I shooting some 16 and then. Uh, meet, uh, meet you and I at your house in like some dark room with some buckets, like <laughs> trying this process because we want to because we want to project a movie. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I so. can definitely see it more for motion guys um, or thumbs that are shooting guy. shooting larger format stuff because like a medium format one it'll look cool. Yeah, but it's gonna be very hard to show. Right. Um, scanning actually. These are really easy to scan. They scan very very nicely. Yeah. I thought it was. Um, when I did my roll of 120 mm-hmm. from DR5. Dr. 5. Dr. 5. <laughs> Not to be confused with Dr. 5s. They made scanning a little bit of a challenge because I had this beautiful roll of positives. And um, when you scan them, 
you got to make that scan look as good as it's always it's harder, harder to make yes. something that's uh, transmitting light like that look as good as uh, on the screen or printed. So and Dave's process has a way higher D max. Like it, he's got his look as good as physically possible in person. I'm not sure that yet. I got my roll back and didn't even recognize where it was from. They look so darn good. Fantastic process. Yes, so. it's it's definitely if you want to try your hand in it. it I would say get it done just like anything else. You're learning it. Work with the good stuff first. Get a, a film that processes reversal very well. So go onto the DR5 website. Look at those. Mm-hmm. Have Dave run your first couple of rolls before you try it yourself. If you don't have that to compare it to, everything looks good. But when you compare it to something like what he's doing, then you know this is what we, you can get out of the process. I do know there's another gentleman right now that is just started working in uh, black and white reversal mm-hmm. and that's august kelm yes i saw some of his stuff okay. he posted that mm-hmm. um right around the same time i was considering doing it like okay i was looking online i was like who's doing reversal this was like january and he posted it and i was like it was a picture of his daughter on there uh-huh. and i was like mm. oh this well, is really cool probably niece but that's niece. Okay. okay yeah and it was it was a really really clean image and there weren't many other people there was a there's a Flickr group for black and white reversal it's kind of old mm-hmm. uh, i saw a couple angry posts from this, <laughs> this doctor who was you know the prognosis didn't look good there you go. on some of the reversal stuff leslie uh, was it was i on that no that those were your comments yeah from years ago wow yes <laughs> you weren't the good doctor back then i'm not always now <laughs> wow <laughs> Okay, but it's it's definitely a challenging process. I want to get better at it because uh, this is just a stepping stone. I want to try some other stuff. Finals, beautiful. thank you, Matt. And just remember, I'm not your stepping stone. I used my imagination. I I went into a freakout, and I did it just right. And it it was I don't think it was script. And they thanked me for it afterwards. New from KTEL Records, 22 explosive hits, 22 original stars, gallery. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. The great Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, the Candyman can. Olivia Newton-John. Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. Don't pull your love out on the Derek and the Domino's big hit, Layla. Husbands, Detroit Emeralds, Millie Jackson, Flash, April Wine, Charlie's Pop Tops, Fortune. Here comes that rainy day feeling again. Joe Simon. You got power in your kiss. Lobo. Hot Butters, Popcorn. And many more. Get KTEL's 22 explosive hits now. 22 original stars and one great stereo LP. Only $3.99. What the hell? Right, let's go again. Folks, the doctor is in. <laughs> doctor will see you now. <laughs> Your temperature, please. <laughs> Patient number one is with us today. Patient number one shot double X film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Showing more than expected grain, lots of contrast. Less details in the shadows than expected. Hmm. He has seen other results from this film, and he was not getting it. Hmm. Okay, let's find out what happened to this. Vital vital signs. Who processed this? It was commercially processed by a well-known lab. 
Okay. Camera and lens functioning okay? Yes, it is. Is your lens coded? Yes, it is. These are, I'm not going to go into why I ask them, but there's a reason why I ask all these things. Was the film fresh? Sure is. Got it from FPP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk about the situation. The light was hard and contrasty. When I say mm-hmm. the light is hard, I mean it is contrasty. Real Bright highlights. Like high noon. High noon. Crisp, crisp And he used an orange filter to bring out the clouds. Mm. Plot thickens. We got our answer. You sure do. (laughs) Anyway, the diagnosis was orange filters increase contrast. They increase them everywhere. Not He was shooting it because he wanted more clouds. Sure, got more clouds, but everything that was a shadow went even deeper. Mm-hmm. It was high light, went even higher. And that was not the filter to get the result that he wanted, which was to bring out clouds, but essentially leave everything else alone. Brilliant. What he wanted was a polarizing filter. Leaves the other areas untouched, but it will give him the cloud coverage or the cloud, not coverage, but bring those out. More than what it, what uh, naked good old naked sky had. So was patient number one using a camera that was auto metering, or was it an old manual camera? I don't remember at this point. For some reason, I felt it didn't play into it. They felt like the, the exposure because we uh, usually almost always ask to see a strip of your negatives, mm-hmm. and they appeared to be quite normal. Yes. Yes, thank you. Excuse me, uh, Mark D., what uh, flavor Coke is that? (laughs) Mango. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm billing for that. Back to topic. (laughs) (laughs) So also, too, then they decided to scan. They did not like the scans they received, Mm -hmm. so they're going to scan these themselves. Technically, it's noise in this case, but the shadows, because they were very thin thin and underexposed, were grainier. They had more noise in them. That didn't help his situation either. Mm Mm-hmm. Grain is grain. Uh, the best way to fine-tune this is correct exposure. Yes. Yes. The filter and, factor. Uh, yep. Sometimes super fine-tuning even by hand developing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, a proper filter, the wrong filter was used. And it'll make a big difference if you ever do something like that. Maybe shoot a couple frames side by side. But I can't really do too much. So on his original negatives, I'm afraid we're going to have to flatline those. Flat out like a lizard drink in their history. You can't really bring that back. Mm-mm. But now we know we can fix it for next time. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Patient number one, out the door. Thank you very much, Leslie. Mm-hmm. When we come back, uh, Mark D is going to talk about something called the Mark D Tinar. <laughs> Instant photography by Kodak and the big audition. The cornucopia. It is a horn of plenty. Hold it. Got the flash, Marvin? Sure. It's still trying in. Very good. Okay, next. Fine crops of grain and fruit. You're on, Louise. Hi, Alexa. Well, Marvin, what do you think? I think all my pictures are great. The Kodak Colorverse 250, the instant camera with built-in flash and brilliant color by Kodak. Hey, we're back. Have you tried the blood orange yet? No, I haven't. Coca-Cola. I keep going back to the mango. I know. The mango's tried... going to be sold out here at the FPP soon. I know. Yeah, I already took the rest of them and stuck them in my bag. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Did uh, everyone here try? You don't seem to be drinking too much pop today, Matt. I, you know, I've been taking it a little bit easy. He's um, a cop. 
Get him. <laughs> uh, the mango. I don't know how, how I feel about the mango. Like, have you, you know, tried it? I did. Huh. I had one, and it's like I really like mango, and I, I'm okay with Diet Coke. Uh, I think the ginger lime. That's more my speed. Okay. Mm. The ginger lime, you have to drink it cold. Oh, Once I it warms see. up, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think all of them are pretty terrible if yeah. they're warm. Uh, the blood orange seems to be the uh, is it pro- is it proper to say redheaded stepchild these days? I don't know. I love blood orange and I haven't I haven't <laughs> I, tr- I haven't tried it yet. I started off with the feisty cherry. That was good. But I like was cherry good. coke. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try the one. blood orange here in the next few weeks and we'll talk about and it. And Mark O'Brien, at any point in your life, did you drink Coca Cola or pop or soda as we call it here on the East Coast? I used to, but I haven't. You know, the only. Soda I drink now is it's mixed in with with alcohol. So okay, I, I rarely drink. I mean, if fountain drinks or any of that stuff. Fountain drinks, very nice. What is a ty- uh, Tynar? Tynar, this 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 camera that I have hidden in my hands that you can't even see. <laughs> this is a. Oh, oh my God! Look at that! This is a terrible, terrible little camera, made in 1950, and all of the the hive mind information. It's tiny. That I can find out about it on the internet. It says it was produced in 19... Quote, it was produced in 1950 for a few months. For a few months. Oh. Wow. One and gone. One but, and done. But, so you would think, oh my God, that must be a rare camera. But th- it then goes on to say it's a pretty common camera. It uses a special um, little film cartridge that is also pretty common it says so it's it's a surprisingly common film that was only made for a few years 60 years ago i don't know how that's or a few months 60 Mm -hmm. years ago i don't know how that's possible um it's it's designed so it's this is a sub miniature camera shoots on 16 millimeter well sprocketless but i guess you could put sprocketed film through it if you wanted to um film and it was another one of those companies that tried to come out with a proprietary sub-miniature camera like Minolta did or like like you know everybody did where it uses this special little metal cartridge that specifically is stamped property of Tynar Corp. Whoa. And the idea was you would shoot this, you got 14 exposures. Yes. You would shoot it, mail it back to Tynar. Oh. For one dollar they would process and print your 14 images, send you back your images with a roll of new film in the box. In the for bag. one dollar. For one dollar. Wow. You'd shoot 14 more, send it back. They would send you a new roll of film and your images. Is that offer still on the table? They they stay in business. <laughs> they were. I don't. I don't think still they were. Waiting. I don't think they were ever in business. Oh. So, the, the idea was they they tried to. This isn't quite going right. It's a little annoying to get in there. Um, if it doesn't go in right, it gets stuck. Yeah, I'm not going to force it now. It has to line up with these little teeth. Where did you find that camera? This, it was a donation. It was like in it, a box? It, it came in, somebody had donated a bunch of cameras, and then in, in, in the box was a Ziploc bag that had like some spare LR44 batteries and a manual and a, and a, and a hand strap and this, which I thought was a little light meter or right, something, right. and I pulled it out and it's actually a camera. So someone just had it like in the back of their junk drawer, I guess, and, and sent it in. And I immediately fell in love with it because it's a ridiculous little thing. It's supposed to look like, it's supposed to look like that? a little tiny movie camera. A child? I don't know what they were what I they were going if it for. Was it's just hobbyist. If you, or, if you, you ordered read, it out of the back of a comic book, that's if what you it read their brochures, like. yeah. they were aiming at like Martin Scorsese. Because if you read the brochure, it's like you've never seen quality. Oh, you found like some brochures. Gonna, yeah, it oh. came with a brochure. 
that went on and on and on. It looks like a brochure from like an old photo mag rather than a comic book. Yeah, it was yeah, a four-page four thing that was tucked in the box when you bought the camera. Four centrally located plants give you lightning-fast picture-perfect development. So you can ship it to... They have factories. They had factories in Cincinnati, New London. That's Connecticut, right? New London, Connecticut. Chicago... Who knows where that is? Or Los Angeles. <laughs> and in, in the picture, they show you these massive factories. But even in the photocopy of this ancient brochure, you can clearly see that, that Tynar Corporation has been photoshopped onto these pictures. Like, who knows? Uh, There's great. no way that this company... They're just little indie labs that they... Yeah, they were, you were just mailing right. them to... A little hole-in-the-wall place. Yeah, a photo mat. Yes. Um, so they were trying to build themselves as this you know, massive corporation. The camera itself... It's a it's a neat little camera. All it has on it. This is something Matt would shoot with. <laughs> this is the opposite of what, oh, what? I tuned out. Sorry. Uh, what, what's going on, guys? We talking about Coke? It's sub min, right? Oh, oh sorry. I'll, I'll be right away. Okay. So it does. There's a little tiny wheel on the side here. It has a selectable aperture. Oh. So it'll go from. It, it's got 6.3 f11 or f16. Pretty nice. 6.3, which is that old code for yes. Kodak. You've got your your wind on the side. Little half wind cocks it, and then it's got a. Like hair trigger, it takes no pressure at all to trigger it. And then there's a little tiny window on the side, and that's your frame counter. It's even got a frame counter, oh. which is kind of slick. Uh, it's got a little pop-up viewfinder, which is completely useless because there's no way to get your oh, eye close enough yeah. to actually. Come on, keep trying. It. You need right. tiny hands for something like that. Yeah, it's there's no way. Where would we get those, Mark? <laughs> you would have to be. I don't know what kind of animal could even get their eye close enough to be able to line it up. So then, when you pop it open, the, the side just slides off. Your cartridge pops out. This is a nice stamped metal cartridge that's very easily reloadable. The so, shutter's one speed shutter? Yeah, single speed, one fiftieth of a second. Okay. So which is which is fine. I mean it's a it's a you know, typical old box shutter. And then when you pop this little plate off, that lets you see all the guts on the inside. So it's a nice little sort of clockwork that's pretty cool. mechanism. Wow. It's very simple. Too simple. So when I got this camera, I immediately loaded up some of the uh, Fuji HR2. HR, yeah, HR21 or whatever it is. HR2. Oh. It's a uh, 25 ISO blue-sensitive film. Ooh. You had to slit it? Sprocketless. It's sprocketless? Sprocketless 16. Yeah, oh, it, it comes, oh. it's microfilm okay. film. Yeah. Uh, loaded it up, shot a dozen images, yeah, developed wow. it. Yes? Blank. Oh, well. So it turns out there's this little spring in here that holds the shutter closed. Oh. Um, and that spring, I guess, is a design flaw. So it had popped off. So then I figured that out. I put that spring back on. I shot a second roll. Yes. A developing error. <laughs> Stupid. Blank. Oh, come on. So then I put a third roll in. Oh, thank God. I tested the spring. You know, it was good. I shot the whole roll. The first two images came out, and the rest of it, the spring popped off again. So the oh. rest of the roll was blank. Oh, my God! Son of a bitch. We have two images. Done. So I, got, I shot three rolls through you, it, and I got two You conquered it, though. Tiny little Are they on, on Flickr? I, I don't think I even bothered putting them up. Oh. I was, because I was going to keep trying until I got a usable roll. I may give it one more shot and, and put it through. But the, the, the quality of the pictures I was getting are so bad <laughs> that there's, there's no real point. But, and then on, on top of all that, when I first saw it, I got all excited because I thought, oh, what a cool little rare, cool sub-miniature, cool little camera. And you look them up on, on eBay. They're all over eBay. And they're like $12, $15. Yeah. Like, it's not even, a, you know, a cool collectible camera. It's, I was just sort of overall disappointed. If I want to shoot a, a, a pinky nail-sized grainy <laughs> picture, I'm going to go back to my Minolta 16. 
So, but it's a neat looking little camera. And if you're a movie guy, it's cool to have on a shelf because it looks like a little tiny movie camera. And it's called a T Y N A R. Any model number? It's it's not even clear if Tynar is the name of the company or of the or the name of the camera. Like they only produced one product for a very short amount of time, and it seems like the product they were producing was their own photo developing. And they just threw out this camera onto the marketplace. So, uh, so then I found this. Oh, this is an ad from the April 1951 Popular Photography, oh. and here is an ad for it. Uh, now available for the Tynar 16. Mil- so they they call it the Tynar 16 millimeter. So that there's no, they don't even have a, a model number for it in their own ad. <laughs> with lifetime supply of free film for camera, as long as you process it with them. And then there are, you know, even back then they've got the the uh, they're giving you a deal. Nationally advertised at seven ninety five, but we're selling it for four ninety five. Whoa! They're, they're undercutting their own dealers, <laughs> selling it directly for five dollars. And then, uh, at last, a truly superior American-made miniature camera. <laughs> at last, <laughs> lifetime supply of free film. Yeah. Okay, so that means right now you can get free film. You've got it. That's print, it. Buddy. Lifetime. Let's call them up. The Tynar camera is manufactured by expert craftsmen to give you the finest in low-priced miniature camera in the miniature camera field. Except for the spring guy. Thank you very much, Mark. Sure. Moving right along, why don't we uh, switch gears to a another? uh, I was going to say to a good camera. To a camera that uh, this looks like a camera Mark would shoot with. It's called Iconta. Do you own one? Is it no? Super Iconta. Super no. Iconta. It's super. I have. I don't think so. Maybe I do. Oh, what kind of film is that? You take? don't have one like this. One twenty. One twenty. It's beautiful. It's jewel-like. Wow. Yes. Take it away, Leslie. This I I call this segment the Super Super Iconta. <laughs> it is a model A five thirty one sixteen. Rolls off the tongue. I just opened Rolls. my Dropbox. I opened my Dropbox to look up something, and I had the last thing I had downloaded, which is which is this picture. A five thirty one. What's the model? Oh my god. A five thirty one slash sixteen. Made by. Why do they call why is slash sixteen? Sixteen frames. Okay, very good. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. Well, as it happens many a time, cameras turn up on my work table that I don't remember anything about it or how it even got there. Tell me about it. Well, I certainly understand. I mean, you understand. It's Zeiss. It's now, Zeiss, right? It is Zeiss, yeah, yeah. yes. I don't want anybody to think like it magically appeared because you should see the table, but it's been there a while. And in this case, it was this little Zeiss Super Iconta. So I pick it up and I'm wondering where it came from and... And I, I, the more I look at it, the more I realize what an absolute stunning piece of engineering this little folder is. And it looked brand new. There's a quick little search on it. This thing's 80 years old. But it looked literally brand new like no one had ever used it. The case that was wrapped around it, which I had the original, was coming apart a little bit. And my method is simply to stitch that back up with waxed dental floss. Oh. And dye them on those old leather cases. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very strong repair on that. And I'm thinking, okay, got to fire this little beauty up and do a segment for the show. What show? The more I played with it, the more I researched it, the more that I realized this was not just a regular old 531. Uh-oh. It's a super Iconta series from Zeiss. It was produced from 1934 and discontinued in 1956. It is a remarkable camera. It continues to sell well even today. Holds its, it holds its value 
it's gained in value. It didn't cost as much at that point. A good Super Iconta has unprecedented image quality. They are commonly referred to the Rolls-Royce in build quality. Now, this gets a little chuckalicious because mine kind of failed there on that boat. So, I mean, it's remedied, but missed the boat. There were three cameras in the original lineup when they were launched in 34. Three formats, essentially. The 645, 6.4x5, 6x6, and 6x9. Later on, I'm going to have to try and find one of these. There is a 6.5x11 but it's mm. on 616 film. Oh, uh, no. I can get 616 film right over here at the old FPP store. Get on my bicycle, roll down here, and get some. <laughs> Nearly all of them had a rapid compour shutter and a Tessar lens. Nearly all. First, the Super Iconta folds up into this lovely, nice, neat little package. Truly, uh, truly a pocket camera. We call them folders. Pretty weighty for your pocket, but it's there. And um, mine is a 645, so I get 16 frames per roll. I like that. I like short rolls of film. 16 is fantastic. The lens on mine is not a Tessar, but it is a Schneider Zenar, a 75mm 3.5. Uh, the Tessar is really considered the more desirable lens of these two. Uh, most of them were not coated. Mine was not coded. Weird. I'm gonna. This is gonna be fun, but there'll be a little something weird about that later. It has a coupled rangefinder to it, so this is a rangefinder camera. I guesstimates guesstimate. I really like a viewable rangefinder, a focusing rangefinder, so I know where everything is. It uses something called a wedge prism to do this. I call it a periscope, and I just flip my little periscope up here. This is just like. This is great, you know? Yeah. The front portion of the focusing system rotates up into position, up periscope. Yes, um, and then on the very top, there is another, I flip it up here, I'm not going to flip it up here, that flips up. So you use part of the rangefinder to focus, then you pull your eye up on, up on top and you look through another viewfinder for framing. And the framing system that it uses called an albada. Have you ever heard of an albada? Uh, yeah. yep. It is partially, there's a frame to it, but then there's also a coated silver area that you look through. And it, it um, this, is, this is the coolest little camera. <laughs> but the, the albada viewfinder is a reverse Galilean finder. Galileo, Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> When the uh, two frames are open, the back one is half-silvered, and it actually kind of projects part of your image onto the face of it, all for the framing. Everything is, like, so supreme on this thing. Like our pizza. It was just like our pizza. Um, Pax Jr. used uh, that kind of a um, Albada finder. Mm-hmm. Works better as an external. They never really built this type of thing into the bodies of cameras, so there again... Instead of having all these protruding parts as they went on later on, they really didn't use them. Now, as I had mentioned, mine had issues. And I thought it was probably simply because of age. And it just needed a good old CLA, clean lube and adjust. So I get on the Google. The Google. And I find a gentleman by the name of Henry Shear. And he is the Zeiss specialist. His web is www.zeisscamera.com. He is in California. 
but he does not do CLAs. Mm. Hmm. He does overhauls. Everything. <laughs> and he says that right up front. Everything is taken apart and cleaned and lubed and adjusted. Everything. The first thing I noticed when I went to his page, when you roll to the bottom, he's got a link to FPP. Mm. Mm. I love this guy, but thanks so much. Now, my complaints for this camera was gummed up or slow shutter speeds, slower than they should have be, should be. And the focusing on this thing was so hard, it's like it's like about ripped the skin off your finger to focus it. So I told him up front, I said, I got hundreds of cameras here. I got a lot of orphans, and I rarely, I rarely have any of these serviced because there's always 10 more waiting in line to try out. But every once in a while, one of them seems worth it. And I really think this camera's lovely. And I think it'd make a great segment on the show. All right? Sure, what show? <laughs> Ooh, that's lovely. <laughs> What I didn't tell him was how madly in love I was becoming with this little folder. What a wonderful camera I thought it was going to be as a shooter. He, I sent it to him. Great. This, you know what you do. He says, not only was it repairable, um, this is what it's going to take to do it, about how long it's going to do it. But he sent me a history on this camera, not just in general, but what he believes about this camera. And it was made right at the end of World War II, probably late May or June of 1945. With serial numbers, you know, demonstrated by the fact that there was both pre-war leather and post-war leatherette used on the camera. And by the fact that it had a Schneider lens. Mm-hmm. It took Zeiss a little while to start making lenses again after the war. His guess what it was that it was probably about four months for them to, to fire up and get those lenses out again. The shutter, he said, was a major problem. The manufacturing conditions in Germany were very bad when this shutter was made. The speed controller is flat out missing. It's missing a very important spring. Hmm. It's probably the same one Mark was missing. Yeah, you can take it out of my Tynar. That's right. <laughs> and he said it's, it, that explains why this camera has been unused since it has been made. No one has ever used this camera. Hmm. Um, so he made a custom spring for it. Uh, the spring replaced. The shutter is perfectly fine now, he said. Over the years... Many people, he said, I'd say at least 10 or more, tried to repair this shutter without success. So people tried, just didn't happen. The shutter was completely disassembled, thoroughly cleaned, properly lubricated. We go on to the next problem. And this, this is always a learning lesson. He said this lens is extraordinarily sharp because the lens has been left to set for many a year in the right condition. The surfaces have bloomed. Oh, okay. Bloomed with an oxidation layer. Oh, boy. This oxidation layer is the same effect as coatings. And my advice is to protect them with a high-quality filter and never clean it. Hmm. Huh. So I zipped right out and got a filter because it'd just be like me to pick up the bottom corner of my T-shirt and scrape it across that lens. You know how I know it's your camera? Because you put an Olympus filter on it. I did. I found a cute little Zuiko filter. Uh, the bloom improves the optical quality, much like 
coating and is extremely rare. And when you think about it, you get these old cameras, you clean the lens, you check them out, and away you go. Ah, they also mentioned that it has an M flash sync, PC socket. He said, I strongly advise you never attach anything to that PC socket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he said the reason for this is whoever put this shutter together at Compur was not very skilled. <laughs> I suspect at that point they were down to like 10-year-old boys. You know, everybody else was out fighting the war. So the attachment of the PC socket on the shutter body itself looks very weak. If you break this, it will be hugely expensive. Mm, I have hugely. no hugely, yeah. Quote, and I, um, n- I have no desire to put a flash on it. It's just fine. Okay, he what, worked. What he would worked. happen if you put a flash to it? Well, short circuit or you just no. If it breaks off, that oh. shutter mechanism snaps off from the inside where it's attached. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just going to dangle there the rest of its life and be worthless. But. Um, got a new, new little prism on there. He said the viewfinder is extremely clear now. Uh, he says you'll note a, a bit of a vertical offset when the uh, rangefinder is at infinity, but that's absolutely normal. Really, I, ha- I have not. The front cover of the body. Oh, sorry, Leslie. John Fideli calling. I remember that guy. I'm over it. John, would you leave here? No, it's what I took. Oh, would you take? The Leica. You took the Leica? Oh. <laughs> you did not take your picture, your portrait. Oh, I see. I knew I was forgetting something. Well, that's okay, because the next time I come to drop off your credit card, I'll pick up my picture. Oh. Fair oh. trade. Are you going to be using that credit card all weekend? Not me. All right, just put it in your, just put it in your wallet. When I, I do that. Uh, you know. I'll see you next week. All right, there's a $200 finder's fee. That's all I want to say. <laughs> okay. okay. Very good. Thank you, John. Are you, are you guys saying now? Yes, right now. Oh, right. You're interrupting my segment. You're interrupting Leslie's segment. Uh, perfect timing. Sorry. Okay, as you were, as you were. Very good. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, yes. Anyway, <laughs> back to the Super Arconda. He said the front cover of the body is a little reluctant to close and open. Because the leather they used is too thick. They just did not have... They still tried to crank these things out. Uh, These immediate post-war cameras used defective parts because the Russians emptied the Zeiss factories for the good parts. Mm. And that's the reason this is just kind of all hobbled together. The bad speed controller that was used in the shutter, the slightly off range finder, the parts that were missing, the bellows leather that's too thick. Bellows. It's just all issues. They just literally swept the floor up and made cameras. <laughs> so I got it back from him, and I just wanted to baby it. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to baby it. And I thought, no, 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 no. You spent the money in here to use this thing. Mm-hmm. So as stated, I did get a filter for it. I did get a tripod adapter for it, so I can now adapt it to um, uh, U.S. version tripods, quarter 20, rather than the European version. And it is an absolute delight to use. I have one thing to get used to. Typically, our cameras like this fire on the right-hand side. Mm. That simply opens it up. The firing is on the left-hand side. And so I'm sitting there just, nothing's happening. Oh, yeah, got it. I'm over there. 
takes takes me a second and that doesn't happen if you use one camera all the time you get used to it i kept thinking this camera is 81 years old it has never been used i'm going to be the first person to use it that pressure got to me What's the first film I'm going to use? So I used Acros 100. I'm from the old school. The old school was you shoot a roll of film, expect one good 8 by 10 mm-hmm. Yeah, I got so many wonderful images from that first roll of film. One of the images itself was probably one of my best hit Flickr images and is now over 90,000 views. Wow. I mean, I kind of liked it to begin with, but even better <laughs> so uh, do you remember seeing the lighting of the christmas tree yes in dorney plaza that's the one and um oh it's just a whole you know event on how i shot it and the mayor not lighting the tree on time and there's quite a bit of text that goes along with it but it ended up being a fantastic you know they do the countdown to turn the tree on she does the countdown and doesn't turn it on and i've already opened the camera shutter and i'm waiting waiting then she turns it on so i get everything else recorded but only half the tree it it worked out so perfect i really really like using this camera i have a lot of respect for what it's gone through i have one small remaining mystery about it i have no idea where this camera came from all this is is caused by ufos (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. that's it that's my mystery but that is a zeiss super Iconta. Wow. Wow. Thank you very much, Leslie. It was was worth having all that work done because you really like it. Yes. Good. Thank you very much, Leslie. Uh, Next, we're going to talk about a uh, book about a street photographer. And this street photographer is known as the nanny street photographer, Vivian Meyer. And I I think there are two documentaries yeah, there, there's at least two. There's two documentaries. There have been gallery shows. There are numerous. She was the darling of 2017 of street photography. Well, she was the, the darling decade, of yeah. in the news from like 2009 through fairly recently. Yeah. Um, Want to tell the story well, really quick? Like last year, she so just exploded. If, if, yeah. you, if you don't know who Vivian Meyer is, you can just Google it. But she was a an odd person, and she was a, for most of her life, she was a nanny, and part of it was in, in Chicago, but she also lived in New York City, um, and after she, well, she hadn't even died yet, but her, her belongings were kept in storage lockers, and when you don't pay your storage fees, um, they sell your stuff, so she was actually um, ill in a hospital when, when uh, these were found and auctioned off. And the um, John Maloof, who was one of the people who bought um, many of the negatives and film and so forth that, in prints that were that were in, in these auctions, um, really started getting attention online. And uh, he was posting these images up online and trying to figure out, you know, find out more about the person that that shot them because she was a mystery. Well. And, and, and that garnered him a lot of attention. Sure did. Um, he's not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily a photographer uh, at the time, or nor did he have a good foot, um, background in photography. But he pursued this, and I think given what he knew and what he achieved with, with what he had, I think he did a fairly good job. However, he and all the other subsequent people who published books on Vivian Meyer, never, you never really... F- had the uh, 
a feeling that she knew who this person was. The documentaries made her far, far more mysterious, um, and especially his Melusa documentary um, gave it a more mysterious air. I and mean, he was trying to find out more about her, and I understand that. Um, but he's not an academic in terms of going out and researching material and, and digging through things. Um, and so we had a very incomplete and maybe skewed idea about Vivian Meyer. And she was certainly an odd person and all that. And we can all also have different opinions on whether they should have proceeded to sell her images and so forth without her editorial bent. And that's, that's another topic for discussion. With all these other books that came out, they were all put out by the people who actually had something to gain by selling her images. That was one of the impetus of, of publishing those, obviously. They were going to make more money. Uh, but also, they had the images themselves, and they could do what they what they wanted to do with them. So it's, it's been about you know nine years or so. We've been fascinated with the story mm-hmm. and, and the, the found photographs, and who wouldn't be? I mean, they're... I'm taking nothing away from Vivian Meyer. Her her images are fantastic. I don't care who you show them to or stack them up with. They hold their own as excellent examples of street photography. Think about her Rolleiflex around her neck, but she also shot other cameras as well. She seemed to be everywhere. Her Trova images had never really been seen by the public. And, of course, she had photographic travels in Chicago, New York, and, and turns out, other all over the world. Her output was prolific. I mean, they, how many ro- thousands of rolls of film did they end up that she, they, she hadn't processed? It was amazing. Kooky, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. We never knew exactly why she chose not to share her work, but um, and we didn't know that much about where she was and so forth. But Pamela Banos... Um, is the author of this book. It's Vivian Meyer, A Photographer's Life and Afterlife. I think that Banos has done a really, really good job. My first inclination that we weren't getting the full story was was when it was reported, I think by Maloof, that she was using a box camera and then went suddenly to a Rolleiflex TLR because they had these 6x9 images. And I thought about that when I first saw those images. I go, there's no way she shot those in a box camera. They don't have the quality of a box camera. Um, she was probably using a folding camera, a 6x9 folder of some sort, like a, akin to a Kodak Tourist, but better. Which pic were you talking about right now? What was that? I know you're talking about Vivian Meyer. You're yeah. talking about when you say not a box camera. Well, early on, Maloof was talking about how, how um, her early images all of a sudden got changed oh. from being a, a different format to change cameras change cameras right and he was thinking that she was this sort of, she was like using a box camera yep. because there's a picture that she took of Salvador Dali on the steps, steps of the Metropolitan Museum of Art and with the 6x9 camera, I'm going, that was not with a box camera. That was with a, a folding camera that had adjustable apertures and shutter speeds. Right. Okay? So I, it was a misconception on his part because he didn't know that much about cameras. Um, and then she started using a Rolleiflex because it was, at that time, one of the best um, medium format cameras you could buy. So she had to have training. She wasn't just the savant that all of a sudden started taking great photographs. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. Okay. The box cam- that box camera narrative was carried on throughout the Maloof version of events. And so Pamela Banos, who's a professor of photography at Northwestern University, also realized that this was incongruent with what she was seeing. And her meticulous research on Meyer's life and ancestry has provided us with a really fascinating read, I think, that has parallel that has the parallel juxtaposition in the text of the arcs of her life and her afterlife. So when at one point in the paper in the book, 
we shall be talking about um, what was happening but with Maloof or a, uh, what was going on, and then she'll go back into the images that, that they were talking about and where Vivian Meyer was and where she was taking them in parts of her life. So she's been able to do a lot of research and piece Meyer's life together. And she was far more than a nanny. She was a worldwide tra traveler. She'd been all over the world. Um, often by herself or with, or with friends. Sometimes she accompanied people because she was nanny and would go out west on a trip with, with a family. She was a very keen observer. I think she was a daring and a very self-confident photographer, but yet she chose not to exhibit her work, which, which is, uh, you know, too bad. Um, Banos's research, I, I think, it provides us with a more complete account of Meyer's life and in a way gives her a voice that was not present in the previous attempts by other authors. And in this book, we actually see a timeline of Vivian's whereabouts, how she photographed a scene. There's places where she talks about she actually was would go up into a building to see where so, someone's going to be for a uh, presentation on something, and she'd be there photographing through the window. I mean, that's that, she's not just this random person walking around the camera. She's using a street photographer's brain and figuring out where she needed to be to get the shot. And some of the she's shots using were, a lone gunman's brain. Yeah, there is no doubt of her photographic artistry, um, and we are left without a legacy. We are left with a legacy of work. The others have promoted, curated, printed, and sold without Vivian's oversight or background stories. And I think Pamela Bannis has given the balance to the Vivian Meyer phenomenon, and her book really is a must-read if you are at all interested in the Vivian Meyer story. So I really highly recommend this book. Um, it was published, was it last year? 2017, I think? Yeah, 2017. It's by the University of Chicago Press. About 350 pages or so. Um, you I passed it around? Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's a really fascinating read. Um, I think um, the author should be really praised for her... Uh, what is that? For her diligence. Nothing. And what giving us a complete story of what was going on. And you, you mentioned this is the... Um, the best Vivian Meyer book. How it's, many are there? Well, there's about four. But most of the other books have... Get a little dog-eared. Well, that's me. I got so excited carrying it around. I probably it sucks on the corner. Uh, it's a book, but there's no pictures. There, there are there are <laughs> oh well, there are there are a few photographs in there. But you see, who owns the rights to her, her images uh, now? Right? Who does? Well, that's we're still working that out. I believe. Damn lawyers. Lawyers. Yeah. So, on one hand. I don't fault Maloof very much for what he did. He found he is this fine. He's not a trained archivist or anything like that, and he's good, he got that stuff out there. He was really good at PR. He was really good at PR. That was now, his specialty. I did make a special trip to Chicago in 2011 when they yep. had the the, the show the, the, the show at the Chicago um, what show what show <laughs> at the Chicago History it was the Institute. Uh, yeah. um, no, it was a Chicago. It was um, the Cultural Center, Chicago Cultural Center. It was right around the corner from. Central camera. It was, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a fantastic um, exhibit, except I saw, I looked at these and go, these are all inkjet prints. Yeah, they were small. Oh, and, I, and I thought, man, if, they, if they'd had someone who was a really good silver printer, these would have just glowed. And, I mean, she has some really amazing images. There's no doubt about that. Eventually, they're going to get this stuff worked out, I suspect, and someone's going to take their cut of whatever. But um, Some long-lost cousin will come out of the woodwork and claim well, the estate. I, some of that's pretty, pretty iffy. But Pamela Banos goes into a lot of the detail what's going on with the lawsuits and all that in this book. Yeah. So um, up to the time that she was writing it. So I, I think it's a really, um, it's, 
you also, you know, people say, think about, well, what will happen to my photographs after I die, right? And I don't even know if Vivian was able thinking that far ahead because she was, she was. She didn't even process them. Yeah, yeah, in some cases. Let alone photographs. Um, but. It, it's too bad that in her lifetime, I think she would have, had she been someone who was able to self-promote and show her work, she would have been right up there with any of the street photography greats in, in the 50s. She might have been horrified. She may have not wanted any of this. Yeah, it seems right. like she was we really private right. from right. from the big documentary that made her seem right. eccentric and, you know, it seemed and like it, she and, didn't And want there's it. no doubt that she was somewhat eccentric. I mean, no. but... Uh, it's it's a fascinating story, and we'll never know as much about her, but this book really, I think, gives more insight into her. A lot of words in that book. There's lots of words. That's why it's called a book. <laughs> Summarize it. It's not a picture book. Not a picture book. Nope. No. Cool. You found it an easy read? It was, it was engrossing. I really? couldn't okay. put it down. Yeah. If Vivian Meyer was the nanny for the Von Trapp family, then that would have been some story with music. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Well, you're not going to believe this. We're way over time. This is like a two and a half hour episode. Not quite, but... (laughs) So we're going to uh, sign off. Leslie has already signed off. Her chair is just empty. She's passed out. I don't know. But we'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks. And that's it. I'm going to go out and warm up for a second. Oh, okay. It's really nice. Oh, let's go out for a walk for 60 seconds. Yeah, let's do that. You guys want to walk around? I'll show you the camp. Is down there? There's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My- we'll see you, folks. Some Polaroid.
Mind if I play your guitar? You know how? Yeah, I can play a little bit. Sure, go right ahead. Cool, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's a beautiful guitar. Yeah, I got it at Sears. That's beautiful. saw him he was on the killing floor last time that I saw him he was on the killing floor the 
It's a late train to mercy But I hope it never comes It's a late train to mercy But I hope it never comes Moves just like the winter Not stop it in a course Moves just like the winter Cannot stop it in a course I heard a brake man holler He cannot Slow it down I heard the brake man holler You can't slow the damn thing down It's a late train to mercy But I hope it never comes It's a late train to mercy I hope it never comes Makes you beg, steal or borrow But I hope it never comes It's a late train to mercy, 